Please listen carefully. It's being wanted and needed and held close. Doesn't matter who I am or what I'm supposed to be. Hey, how are you doing? It's been too long. Welcome to the XY Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. Let me tell you a little bit about us if you're new here. In this podcast, we talk about life, relationships, gender, sex, and what it's like to be X kind of different. We tell stories about the experiences that bring us together in a world that wants to subdivide us. Each month, we bring you ad-free audio drama-style stories, highlighting the talents of up-and-coming voice actors and woefully underrated writers from all over the internet. A little note, this is an adult podcast, and we do not recommend listening to this if you are not an open-minded adult. Are you male, female, non-conforming, LGBTQIA+, straight, cis, white, black, Latinx, Chicano, Asian, or you get what I'm saying? We're inviting writers from all backgrounds to join us in giving your unique perspective to this podcast. A chance to tell our listeners what life is like through your eyes and grow as a writer. Email us at xypodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to be a part of our writer's room. That's the letter X, W-H-Y, podcast at gmail.com. Hey, check us out. We are now publishing on Radio Public, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Do you have a different platform that you like, that you prefer? Let us know by tweeting us at xypodcast. That's the letter X, W-H-Y, podcast, all one word on the tweets. The twits? The birdie thing. And now the show can really get started. Our first story takes place in an alternate dimension where superheroes Mega Mom and Super Stripper guard the city often from supervillains. We follow their story and how the citizens of said city view these superpowered ladies. Alpha Dog, it's over. You would be wise! My apologies. I couldn't hear you over the sound of me kicking your ass. Whew! Ooh, child. Sorry. Had a PTA meeting. Thanks for spotting me, Super Stripper. No problem, Mega Mo- ah! <laughs> No, you're gonna pay for that. Mega Mom! Hmm. Well, I. Oh. Well, um. Then. I shall teach. You will pay for! Cat got your tongue? Well, it's just, I mean, anything I say is going to sound. I have a lot of friends that are, you know, like you. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean, like me? You know, <laughs> people of color. I, I'm just saying, it will look bad if I... Boy, bye. Please. Ugh, they're at it again. Do you think they can even get insurance, or...? They can afford to be out in a super suit fighting crime. Oh, and they can afford a super suit. I'm sure they can afford health insurance. I've got bills to pay. How many is that this month? Like, a lot. 
There was the thing with Skyscraper. It's still a viable genre! Who is the tall guy? No idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and remember the inconveniencer? Behold! Follow the detour sign during rush hour to your doom! <laughs> Ugh, traffic was bad for days. Then there was that henchman after Catman don't lashed out. I'm seriously surprised she's never had a nip slip. If Super Stripper were a man, you wouldn't be complaining. I just like Mega Mom better. <sighs> May. Guy's worse than the inebriator. Well, at least that is one more villainous swine up the streets. Well, why aren't you affected? I'm always slightly drunk. My tolerance is sky. Hi, everyone. Hello, citizens. Mega Mom, Mega Mom, how did you manage to take down the inebriator? Why, I had help from Super Stripper, of course. Yeah, but you did most of the work, right? Uh-huh. Why do you like Mega Mom better? Because she's more like you than Super Stripper? Uh, yeah. She's representing moms everywhere as a feminist friggin' icon. Wait, what? Super Stripper is way more feminist than Mega Mom. Super Stripper is reclaiming the shackles men have used to objectify us, revealing costumes, and making them ours again. She's not ashamed of her sexuality, and she gets men to fork over their hard-earned cash just for showing some skin. What? Mega Mom is raising not one, but two kids. While fighting crime. What's not admirable about that? The fact that women aren't defined by their ability to have children? Being a mom is great. For some people. But it's not the best thing a woman can be. Shooting out kids isn't our only function. Curse you, woman! Oh, I know what will get through to you. <laughs> My secret weapon. Hey, it's... The Incorrigible Hank! Hey. Aww. Hi, Hank. Glad you're here. You can do this. Girl, he is super sweet. You know he helped me bring in the groceries the other day. I never understood how he ended up on that side of things. I know. Uh, hey, Super Stripper. I know you've probably been too busy to, um, answer my texts or whatever, but you should really think about my offer to, uh, manage your stripping. I think, um, I think I could really take you from Super to Duper, so... Um, yeah, just, uh, let me know. Oh, sorry, honey. No, just, no. You're a really nice guy, and all, but, Carry on. Well, sex isn't our only function, either. I just think it's important because Mega Mom is a woman of color that she's out there representing all of us, myself included. So she's more important because she's exactly like you? Well... Seeing people like me doing well inspires... me. Don't you think that's a little... I don't know... self-absorbed? 
Like, because Super Stripper is so different from you, and therefore not representing you, it makes her less valid or good? Nah, it's just... I'm just saying representation is good. Well, sure. Also, I've never gotten why sharing a skin color means she represents everyone like you. Nobody says that when someone of their own skin color does something wrong. (laughs) I guess we like to highlight the positive things we do, since there's so much negative that gets attention. Yeah. I'm just saying, she probably grew up with a pony or something. How many people like you grew up with a pony? She's probably closer to representing rich pony-having people than all people of your ethnicity. (laughs) You know, why does representation seem to only be skin color or sex? Why can't we represent concepts? What, like everyone deserves to be educated? Or minorities in movies can have depth instead of being token? Everyone has a privilege? There's no such thing as normal. Not everyone gets a pony. Or your guy in the sky is no better than my guy in the sky. Oh, oh, or Or not not having having a guy guy in the the sky sky doesn't doesn't make you evil. evil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, normalize things that should be normal instead of fearing or being uncomfortable with something just because they're unfamiliar. Yeah, not everything is black and white. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Megamom, Megamom, how did you manage to find his one weakness? It's quite simple, really. As a matter of logic, we simply- Megamom, you really wiped the floor with that guy. Can you tell us how- Thank you, kind citizens. I'm out of here. Ugh. I'm a person too, you know. Like, my skin color shouldn't be a factor for a villain. Just because I'm famous doesn't mean I'm representing every one of my color. That's racist. And a lot of pressure. How plebeian. Concepts of gender and race are always so tiresome. We'll get you something, I promise. What is this place? I said I needed a drink, Super Stripper, not coffee. Uh, what are you looking at, ladies? Oh, uh, sorry, uh, nothing. Nothing, uh, sorry. We didn't mean, uh... Didn't My mean apologies, to... citizens. She had a rough fights. Ugh, I'm so tired. I haven't slept in ages. I love my babies, but I'd also love to get some me time away from those little buggers. Would you like me to take the kids off your hands this weekend? I think you could use some time to recharge. Uh, thank you, friend. But the last time you did that, I had to explain to my baby why you pay for everything in glittery ones. No. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't seen the last of me. (laughs) Come on, Ake! Okay. Ooh, things have escalated, folks. Did you like that one? If you like XY Podcast, help us out by leaving us a five-star review, a like, or telling your friends. It totally helps. Our cast for this story was Ebi Abasarat as the Incorrigible Hank, Eric Umstadt as the Inconveniencer, Andrew and Sorello as Skyscraper, Van Barr Jr. as Alpha Dog, Gina Lopez as Carly, Gone Pro Hunter as Super Stripper, and Trey Taylor as Megamom. Our next and final story is about childhood. 
the weird things about being a kid, and our first memories. And it's an extra special story because it may or may not be a story from my actual life. Mm-hmm. Here it is. You were, um, kind of a creepy kid. My husband's is in tandem with a memory of my father's voice. I smirk, roll my eyes, and lean back on the leather sofa as it heaves an inappropriate squeak beneath me. My husband blinks and focuses on the screen perched before us on the coffee table. On the screen is a picture my dad took of me when I was three years old. Admittedly, it's a moody picture. At some point in his late 30s, my dad discovered 35mm single-lens reflex film cameras and took pictures every chance he got. We had this tacky, duck-shaped wicker basket in the kitchen brimming with his undeveloped film. The film stayed in it long after the last photomat yawned, silently closed, at an empty neon-lit mall somewhere in my hometown. The photo of me is blue-washed with dramatic shadows. Half of my face is obscured by shadow, and the other half is lit, exposing a dead-eyed toddler stare the likes of which would rival any 80s music video of the era. You know, the perfect tone for a three-year-old. It's also the only picture I have of me when I was a kid. I, I know I was a weird kid, all right? I chuckle, feigning offense. As a child, I had an unfortunate combination of cartoonishly large gray-green eyes and a penchant for not smiling that led me to look sad most of the time. My mother would lament that my hair covered my pretty face, despite it being her decision to give me long, straight bangs to conceal my ridiculous eyes. I instead looked like those cats with a permanently sour expression a tiny, disappointed face underneath oversized, overly thick bangs. I was also painfully shy as a kid, hiding behind my mom's legs when she'd talk to friends or neighbors. Sometimes I'd watch a conversation from the safety of a corner turn, involuntarily peeking my head out when something would pique my interest. My mother ignored me, instead focusing all of her effort on maintaining eye contact with whomever she spoke. She'd heard you're supposed to do that from one of her many dubious theys. Meanwhile, the conversation partner would eye me from the distance, stifling a smirk at what must have been obviously sly recognition of my sneakiness. My husband and I sit and swap childhood stories like these. Some people remember their very first memories in vivid detail. Their baby brains are vaults, apparently. My recollection is more of a patchwork quilt with holes in it. My earliest memories are of a displaced fear and the wood paneling that covered only one wall of my childhood bedroom. I remember snapshots of things like a porcelain doll with a ruffled pink floral pattern dress and bonnet. I named her Bonnet Girl. I know, very original, but it stuck out to me. Nobody else wore a bonnet in the 80s. I remember ruffled white window curtains with a pink and blue floral pattern. You know, something your grandmother would like. Then, there were the clowns. First, there was the clown on the shelf with Bonnet Girl. His whole body, with the exception of his head, was crocheted in bright, repeating rainbow colors. His plastic-painted face was topped with a conical, crocheted birthday hat. Because he was crocheted and therefore had no bones with which to hold himself up, Crochet Clown would sit, slouched, as if dead, propped against the wall. When the air conditioning kicked on at night, 
Crochet Clown would slip, base first from his lean against the wall, and fall off the shelf to the floor, thoroughly terrifying my poor baby brain. My mom would later say it was the ghost. Then there was the hand. It was part of a large art piece my mom put in when she was pregnant with me. The hand was just that, a floating, white-gloved clown fist holding and suspended by three strings hanging from flattened balloons that served as anchors affixed to the wall. There was no body, no arm, just a single porcelain clown hand free-floating hanging from the balloons. When the air condition kicked on at night, the hand would float and move, making it repeatedly knock lightly against the wall. This too thoroughly terrified my poor baby brain. My mom would also later say, It was the ghost! I don't remember having a crib, but my parents used to tell me there was no point trying to keep me in it. You used to stage little escapes, my mom would tell me. You always seemed to be trying to escape me, even from the beginning. Remember when you got the umbilical cord wrapped around your neck? She would recall. You don't, but I do. Dad used to joke, he used to say, You saw what you were born into and just couldn't take it. Now you can see where I get my morbid sense of humor. They moved me into a normal bed at a fairly young age, my parents told me. But I remember my first real bed and it was anything but normal. My first bed was a giant pink wooden monstrosity. It was pink because it was very important to my mom that I be feminine. The bed frame had wooden panels on each side of the mattress, raised up off the mattress by about six inches or so to prevent violent sleepers like myself from rolling over, falling off the bed, and I guess getting injured. I remember cursing those damn panels though, because I would inevitably roll over, not fall off the bed, and get injured by thunking my head on the panels. The bed's main feature, however, was the giant headboard looming roughly five feet above the mattress. On it was hand-painted a massive teddy bear. The wood was cut to contour the outline of the teddy bear on the top of the headboard, and his eyes were painted to look down at the mattress with a smile. What was great about that teddy bear was, when I laid in bed staring at the ceiling at night, it appeared to be standing over me, peering out of the darkness, watching me. When the air conditioning kicked on at night, the teddy bear did nothing. For some reason, this too thoroughly terrified my poor baby brain. This was likely not due, though, to the ghost. My first really vivid memory was, uh... Unfortunate. My oldest brother, Ed, is 11 years older than me. He's named after his grandfather, Eduardo, son of Ricardo. People always remind me that Ed is my half-brother, but he predates me and I couldn't seem to get rid of him, so that pretty much just made him my brother. In my first vivid memory, I am in a plastic child's seat, done up in the prevalent colors of the 70s and part of the 80s, tan and brown. The seat is attached to the back of Ed's bicycle. In the 80s, children weren't mummified in complicated systems of straps and side impact airbags. Back then, your life was at the mercy of a single canvas lap belt. My parents, in their infinite wisdom, thought by sacking my teenage brother with his five-year-old sister, they were keeping him out of trouble. He wouldn't do anything too crazy with me around, they thought. Ed's bike leans on its kickstand. 
Uneven glaciers of cement jut from the flat sidewalk, grazing overgrown weeds and grass. A chain-link fence sags and leans in a futile attempt to enclose dirty plastic kids' toys scattered through the haphazard, unkempt yards. The twilight air is hot, sticky, and moist, making it difficult to take a full breath. Cicadas sound their alarms in the distance, warning that the sun is going down. Mosquitoes flit at my delicious, chubby kid legs as I sit strapped into the child seat, plotting my escape. We were about to ride home from the house of a neighborhood girl, Bertha. That's right, my Mexican brother, Ed, grandson of Eduardo, dating a girl named Bertha. That's Texas for you. My child seat is facing away from the two as they chat demurely and quietly out of range. I hear him say goodnight as Bertha walks Ed past the fence that languidly protects the house. I hear an odd smacking noise, and shortly after, Ed turns to face me, smiling and gesticulating wildly but quietly. Yes! He says in a loud whisper. I have no idea why, but I smile. He launches homeward on the bicycle when we hear angry barking at the end of a block. We freeze and stare at one of the many large dogs roaming loose in the neighborhood. It's more or less their neighborhood anyway. I'm scared and start to make a noise in protest. My brother pulls his canvas backpack from his shoulder, unzips it, and reaches in. He searches and pulls a portable tape player from his bag. He turns it on and turns the volume up to max and places the earphones awkwardly over my ears. It's playing a song by The Cure called A Forest. A haunting guitar pumps the theme in four notes and the world around me disappears. The drums pulse with a downbeat followed by a scratchy synth counterbeat that I had never heard before. It sounds like walking through dry leaves. I feel the vibrations tickle my ears in the most pleasant way. I can process nothing else when the bass line kicks in as I stare up at the pinks, oranges, and blues of the twilight summer sky. The synthesizers skitter a wave across my ears. The faraway singing begins, and the crash of a cymbal wakes me from my reverie. Where's the dog? I look around and register that we are moving, and in fact, we pass the dog and are close to our house. My brother looks back to check on me and sees the realization hit me that we are safe after all, and he smiles at me and looks ahead again at the sidewalk before a frown furrows his brow. Shit, we're late. Ed curses as he quickly unstraps me from the bicycle seat. He lifts me off the seat and we quietly sneak around the side of our house to the backyard. Pacing in the dim orange light from the sliding patio door, my brother rehearses various scenarios. We were attacked! No, too dramatic. Ed mumbles, swiping forcefully at the tall grass he'd been asked to mow several days ago. How about we just tell them we ran into a dog? That's true, right? Right? Melissa? My brother quickly turns and finds me with my face glued to the patio door, eyes wider than usual. Ed calls to me. What is it? But I am frozen. He runs to the door to find my parents, stark naked, having sex on the living room carpet. Aww. Ew. Ew, I know, right? Ugh. 
This scarring story features the voice acting contributions of Steve McGrath as the husband, Katie B.V.A. as the mom, and Brendan Jenkins as Ed. Our podcast features public domain and Creative Commons sound effects and the Creative Commons music of the following talented artists. Please listen carefully by Jazar, Summer Days by Kai Engel, Noah's Stark by Krakatoa, Blue Ska by Kevin McLeod, Dragon Castle by Devil Symphony, Attack of the Titans by Gregoire Lorme, and What True Self Feels Bogus, Let's Watch Jason X by Chris Zabriskie. Story written by Melissa Sheldon with writing contributions by Chris Butera and Brandon Jenkins. And that's it for me, folks. Thanks for listening to the XY Podcast. Next month, we have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline, so stay tuned for updates and exciting new things as we grow. We couldn't do this without you.